This is The Catholic Current with Father Robert Mateig. The leading cause of death in the 20th century wasn't war, it wasn't cancer, it was democide. It was governments killing their own people. So I would say that not trusting the government doesn't make me a conspiracy theorist, it makes me a history buff. I think we are getting to a place where our entitlement has degenerated into a kind of assumption that there is no division between ourselves and others, that we are entitled to the fruits of others' labor. Praise be Jesus Christ. This is Father Robert McTague of the Society of Jesus. You're really host for the Catholic Current, where we bring Christ to the world and the world to Christ. You're listening to us from the Station of the Cross Studios, your local radio station, and the iCatholic Radio mobile app, where we proclaim the fullness of truth with clarity and charity. As always, let's start with prayer. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Almighty God, through the intercession of St. Ignatius Loyola, we ask that you pour forth your Holy Spirit upon us, a spirit of discernment. Through me to hear your voice and obey your command. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Well, friends, it's Tuesday here at the Catholic Current, and you know what that means. Uh, we're going to do Old School Timely Tuesday today, where a lively guest and I uh, kick off with a topic of mutual interest, and we just expand and comment on the headlines that we've been following, hot headlines that affect the church and the world. You want to stay for the whole hour, because in the last segment, it's you and me sharing timely thoughts and reflecting what we've heard today. Returning guest is a, a listener favorite and, and certainly very adept at, at meeting the demands of Timely Tuesday. She is known as the Crusader Gal. We're going to start with her very important article in Crisis Magazine. Sarah Kane, welcome back to The Catholic Current. Thank you, Father. It's always a pleasure. Sarah, you recently published an article and you asked the question, who defines marriage, uh, God or, or government? It, what I find really interesting is that there are people who would say, well, the answer is obvious, and then announce mutually exclusive answers. What prompted you to write the article? It was actually the bill that recently went through the House of Representatives, the Respect Marriage Act. And because what that attempted to do was to say that marriage that was previously, in the eyes of the government, things between a man and a woman, would thereafter be seen as between any two persons. And I think that in so doing, as government attempts to redefine marriage in such a way, they're also redefining themselves. And I think that very few people will stop for long enough to realize the implications. I think that we have a society now that has decided, you know what, we should just be nice. We should just accept what everyone says and be nice and refuse to be judgmental, um, even to exercise good judgment or discernment. And under the veneer of that, we'll say, you know what, everyone can be married, just two people, any two people, it doesn't really matter, and that's what we have as the product. But there you have what we previously had with marriage was essentially, it was, it was a, a covenant before God, and now by erasing that, government has established itself as being greater than God, more important than God in our society. And few are, are slowing down to re realize the ramifications that can have. Right. I, I think where we have been in, in an era where uh, government, especially unaccountable bureaucrats, people whose names and faces we don't know, uh, are deciding that they are the ultimate arbiters of, of reality, male or female, marriage or not, uh, what is essential services, where the worship of the living God is uh, ranks on the hierarchy of what's essential uh, and and what's not, and and it seems that people's ability to figure out basic things for themselves, like male and female and and marriage and family, is is just put aside. I this is not trending well uh, on my view of things. Am I just being a dark, brooding, melancholic Irishman, or or are, are you starting to feel discomfited as well? Well, there's a time for melancholy. Um, what, I think well, it yeah. might be that. <laughs> but I do think that there's a, an, a net effect that you get from a society that's refusing to establish what is true. And that's the sort of time that we're living in, is one that refuses to accept, as you said, like for example, that men are, are men and women are women and what a marriage is. And when we take all of these sort of foundational elements, and they are foundational, 
and then erase them by redefining them, well, then we don't have a whole lot to build society upon. And that's important because society was supposed to be built upon the family. And the family, of course, begins with a marriage. And so by eliminating this marriage, by eliminating the family unit, we have to we all seek some kind of, of grounding, some sense of, of what matters. Or what, do we, what do we build society on? Where do we get truth from? And that's where in our modern age, government kind of shows itself and says, you know, it's me. I'm the arbiter of everything. I'm the arbiter of what a man is and what a woman is, even though I can't define it for some reason. And also what a marriage is. I'm the arbiter of all. And that's the... the it, that's government reestablishing itself as the ultimate sort of deity figure in our modern world. And that doesn't end well. That's what we see in every communist regime throughout history. And it never ended well. No, 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 it, it didn't. And, you know, the, Ronald Reagan's quip that I'm, I'm from the government and, and I'm here to help, uh, that certainly puts a, a, a chill uh, up my spine. And, you know, when I need to have an app to hear what the latest pronouncements from the arbiters of, of reality are, that that leads to, you know, even Clown World would, would be too kind uh, of a notice. Friends, we're speaking today with Sarah Kane, the Crusader Gal. On this Timely Tuesday, we're talking about who defines marriage, God or, or government. I, I've heard people say that our goal, at least in the United States, should be to able to put the the federal government in the original box that it came in, uh, namely the the Constitution. And I'm of two minds of that. On the one hand, I would like the federal government to look very much more like what the Constitution said. On the other hand, though, I think of scripture telling us, put not your trust in princes. And whenever we rely on human wisdom alone, uh, see also Tarot of Babel, that, that doesn't end well either. Isn't there a place where Christians have to clear their throats and say, excuse me, you're leaving out the essential referent. You're leaving out the reference to Christ, who is the Logos of God. Or would that just be considered um, awkward or, or indelicate? There's a lot of good to be found in the Constitution. Don't get me wrong. However, I think that when we look at it and we look at what, the, what parts of it people cite, they're citing the parts that reference natural law. And that's the good that we see there within. And what we need to get back to as a society is that, that recognition of natural law. When we rely simply on a document, any document, but the Constitution included, we're ignoring Christ, we're ignoring God, and we're ignoring an objective standard of behavior, and that we, we find that in Christ. And without it, we see the sort of wreckage throughout, gosh, the history of the world. People can rationalize almost anything, and we need these objective standards to say, actually, that's wrong, and this is, this is what, what's good and what's true and beautiful, and that can guide us in that direction. Right. I, I think that, um, you know, the church has been around for a very long time. And it has, as Etienne Son said, it has a delightful habit of burying all of its would-be pallbearers. And, and I think Catholic Christians in particular say, look, we've seen empires rise and fall, civilizations come and go. We're still here. Let us share with you our corporate memory of what's worked and what hasn't. And why? Uh, but, uh, you know, but then we come to McTague's axiom, you know, most institutions would rather die than with anyone ever made a mistake. I, I would say that uh, as, as one of my clever friends called, you know, the status quo ordo or uh, the business of churchianity has been entirely too cozy with Caesar and the court jesters for way yes. too long. And that kind of candor of we need to make reference to Christ as as unique and as indispensable, that can begin to lead to awkward conversations. Uh, for example, it can, but also conversations that we need to have. If you don't yes. mind me interjecting here, yes, and, please. And and I do think that when we are, when we're talking about marriage, for example, and we have a sort of societal standard that says it doesn't really 
marriage isn't really that different than any sort of other contract. You can just get out of it if you have a big enough bill. Heck, we can even, you know, prep for failure with a prenuptial agreement. We'll just sort of decide that if it goes badly, we'll just kind of throw the whole thing away and say, I get the car. You know, that is, is the sort of modern incarnation of marriage because we've divorced ourselves from Christ, right, from a Christian understanding of it. But what you have to say is that with the Nancy Pelosi's of the world, the people who want to push forth this this sort of Christless morality, they're not they're not seeing something. They're not seeing the entire purpose of the marriage. They're not seeing how with a homosexual union, a, a person ha- is saying to the other, "I care more about my sin and my embrace of it than I do about your eternal soul." That's what a homosexual union is. And that's not a marriage and could never be a marriage. A real marriage requires both parties saying to the other, you know, I'll do whatever I can to help you to, to, to go on to live for eternity because I care that much for you. It's the very opposite. Well, you know, when Blessed Karl of Austria, who later became the, the emperor, w- uh, was engaged, he says, now we will spend the rest of our days helping each other get into heaven. And that's the measure of a marriage. It's also the measure of a good society. Friends, we come back. We're going to continue our Timely Tuesday conversation. Sarah Kay and the Crusader Girl and I are going to be going through hot headlines affecting the, the church and the world. We're going to sound off, and you want to stay with us for the whole hour. We're going to end with Timely Thoughts, reflecting on what we heard today. Our rallying cry at the Catholic Current is Christus Mundo, Mundus Christo, bringing Christ to the world and the world to Christ. We do it because our Lord says so, for the greater glory of God, the love of our neighbor, and the salvation of our own soul. After the broadcast today, go to the stationofthecross.com, get our resources list, take this to to your family and friends. Together, we'll take it to the whole world. Back in two minutes. Please do stay with us. This is Jesuit Father Robert McTagg, your daily host of The Catholic Current. Join me on Wednesday at 5 p.m. Eastern to meet Jesuit Father Kevin Dyer. We'll be talking about how to make a missionary. Young adults are offering to proclaim Christ, and we need to hear about it. So join us on The Catholic Current on Wednesday at 5 p.m. Eastern, coming to you from the Station of the Cross and the iCatholic Radio mobile app. You're listening to The Catholic Current with Father Robert Mateig from the Station of the Cross Catholic Media Network. Stay connected with the show, our guests, and topics by following the show on Twitter and Gab. Just search for The Catholic Current. Praise be Jesus Christ. This is Father Robert McTague of the Society of Jesus. You're really host for the Catholic Current, where we bring Christ to the world and the world to Christ. You're listening to us from the Station of the Cross Studios, your local radio station, and the iCatholic Radio mobile app, where we proclaim the fullness of truth with clarity and charity. We're doing a classic Timely Tuesday. Lively guest and I talking about hot headlines affecting the church and the world. You want to stay with us for the whole hour in the last segment. It's you and me sharing timely thoughts, reflecting on what we've heard today. We are talking with the listener favorite, Sarah Kane, the Crusader gal. Uh, Sarah, you know, you and I have been following the COVID interruption since the beginning. There seemed to be the uh, Night of the Living Dead version uh, of COVID called uh, monkeypox, which uh, apparently is, is transmitted through everything except the way it's actually transmitted. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think people have a good galloping sense of, of COVID fatigue. And I think the COVID panic and hysteria that gripped the world for two years is going to be that much harder to gin up. Some of my more cynical friends had said that monkeypox was going to be the new boogeyman that was going to keep people locked down and also uh, away from voting in person in November. It hasn't turned out that way. I did notice that the CDC and company who were very blithe about announcing the canceling of of weddings, of funerals, of hospital visits, of church services, etc., etc., had really nothing to say about what might mitigate the spread of monkeypox, which, objectively speaking, is uh, primarily transmitted by sexual contact male-to-male. Now, I know the summer is the height of the season for that sort of thing, so people were, were just rather rather muted about it. I, I know you've seen these things too. What might a reasonable man infer from these observations? 
well, the government has its priorities and bureaucrats do, and they wouldn't dare to upset the gay lobby by shutting down the, the pride parades or the gay bars, apparently. Um, and, and, that's, and that's where we are. And at the same time, you know, if, if you look back on what was done throughout the, the COVID years, it was evil. They shut down churches. They prevented people from visiting their dying relatives. And that was all perfectly okay and acceptable. But with monkeypox, you're absolutely right. They're unwilling to say anything against the established order because it would seem that these people with their worldview who are making these decisions value pride parades over churches. And I think that we see that um, being manifest in their decisions. And yes, it's outrageous, but that's the sort of I don't know, anti-morality that they're living in and imposing upon the rest of us. And I hope that people remember it in the future because we were kind of you know, trained, I think, to accept this kind of thing. So many people bent the knee such that they sent the message to government that it's okay, that we're willing to allow churches to be closed down, businesses to be forfeit, and so on, uh, if, if the government screeches about an emergency. So I do hope that people remember how government interprets these emergencies and how unfairly it decides to deal with them. What right. the and, next, and, you know, bug? Well, yeah, you know, and, and I... And I um, yes, depending on encouraging people to remember things. I think medicine calls that a low yield procedure. But I, I, I agree with you that, uh, yeah, I, I mean, at least between now and November, we, we need to, to remember. And I also think that, uh, you know, we have to have a sober reassessment of what ha I mean, Congress used to actually pass laws, and it passed laws that members of Congress actually read, and then they took responsibility for actions and inactions and what we I have now well yeah I, I, they, <laughs> <laughs> thank you for reminding me in my day congress used to actually read the laws uh yeah. now that 2000 pages long like, you won't right. read it yeah. right yes and and, and you know maybe congress invented the you know tldr too long didn't read meme um uh, i wouldn't be shocked but what what we have now is um Congress establishing bureaucracies that are accountable to no one. I mean, no one knows who these people are. No one knows anything about, uh, you know, who how to vote people in and out of office, where these regulations come from. Egregious things are done, and Congress just gets to skate. They And so anyone who could be voted out of office can't be uh, held accountable. And what happens, and, and you know, when we saw this in, in the collapse of the Soviet Union, at the end of, of, of the Soviet Union, it didn't matter who was in the Politburo. It was the apparatchiks, the mid-level bureaucrats who could make things happen or keep things from happening. I mean, think of Donald Trump and, and the claims about we're going to build this beautiful, magnificent wall and have other people pay for it and and nothing happened for a lot of different reasons, but a lot of it was just the the bureaucrats, the apparatchiks. So the idea of throw the bums out and vote new people into office, that doesn't inspire me. I think we have to have a serious conversation about uh, layers and layers of bureaucracy that have to be gotten rid of. I, I mean, right. look at that, it this that's, way. I think, I think that's why that uh, Trump's slogan of joining the swamp was always uh, one of the better ones is because most of us recognize that in fact there is a swamp that's there. Uh, I don't think he was very effective in doing that, but I do at least think that the goal was good, that we do need to get back to a smaller government such that in the very least, the people who we elect are the people making the decisions that they, so that at some point you could, you could remove them from office and actually have a change of results. And that's not what we're seeing right now. Right. And, and I, I think too, that we're, um, we're, we're at a point where people are, are beginning to become desperate, and that's that's never a really good thing. And we're also recognize we have to recognize that we've got at least two generations of people who don't know how to do anything except to subsist on what governments give them. And governments are not always 100% reliable. I mean, I mean uh, the past couple of days, the EBT card stopped working for a while, and the Twitter sphere uh, really lit up about, I have to pay for my own food with money? 
<laughs> when did right. that become a thing? So yeah, so I, I I think we're 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 poor off the way. If we're talking about the the decline and fall of the COVID panic, we would be remiss if we didn't talk about Dr. Anthony Fauci, a proud alumnus of Holy Cross College. Uh, by the way, they've named a science building for him. Uh, Holy Cross is affiliated with a certain religious community with which I have some familiarity. And you'll be glad to know that you can get. Uh, votive candles in honor of of saint fauci i'm I'm looking at one on amazon right now uh he looks like he's a he's a byzantine icon and he's bestowing his hand an apostolic blessing in some ways and and by the way i happen to like science and when i criticize tony fauci i'm not hating on science uh but but isn't he the embodiment of what has been wrong with our government structure for decades? One unaccountable man having entirely too much power? Yes, and also I think he's representative of something that's less clear, which is that our modern society worships science, you know, as as this thing that cannot be questioned, which isn't real science, but it, but it worships that and medicine as absolute goods, as the greatest good. Um, because we live in a very secular way. We live, I think, and and again, this is societally, not necessarily you and I or even your listeners, but we're sort of living more under scientism than anything else. A sort of, of, well, if science says it's okay, and that's Anthony Fauci or Deborah Burks or whoever's in the white coat and paraded on screen, well, then we absolutely have to do it. And so if Fauci says close the churches, then we do. And that's ultimately what you're looking at, because it's it's him and, and, and Deborah Burks and so on who made these decisions and said, you know, this is more important than your faith. And so many people said yes. That's because we have a society that while proclaiming to be Christian, because, you know, the vast majority of Americans still say that they're Christian. Um, if you had a, a priest anywhere, there's, it doesn't matter what they'd say, they would not be listened to as Anthony Fauci was. Because there is more power in the medical industry and our our willingness to sort of accept that as as being great and sort of well religious in itself, and that merged with, with the power of government, the enforcement of government throughout the COVID years, and I don't think that has changed. I think that still represents a massive threat. Well, you know, Aristotle said you know, thousands of years ago, if matter is the highest reality, then politics is the highest science. And and you notice uh, Twitter and YouTube never censor you for, you know, um, you're, you're a bad recipe for, for salsa or uh, or for allowing people to say that it's okay to put pineapples on, on pizza, even though it's a sin that cries out to heaven for vengeance. But if you get your politics wrong, oh my goodness, then, then they're going to jump on you with both feet. And, and that's a big part of what concerns me is, you know, St. Paul said, if our hope is for this life only, we are the most pitiable of men. And you know, COVID was a reminder of human mortality. You know, yes. everybody gets sick every now and again, and eventually everybody dies, and we have no resource to face that. And if we live as as non Christians, as we live as if we live as atheists, then it makes sense that the doctor is the person who can who can keep us alive for as long as possible because that's all there is, and relieve any sort of you know physical pain that we have because this is everything that there is. But that's not true, and yet that's how right. we acted. Right. I, I want to talk about. Um, I, I, you know, there there are people who who still go to church. I mean, that number declines every year. But would it be fair to say that even self-identified Christians are practical atheists? Uh, they denominate themselves as Christians. They put in their forty minutes in, in in the pew. They throw their envelope in the basket. That in which there is no witcher. Maybe they get some sort of liturgical participation trophy. But then they get on with with real life. So I, I would say the whole COVID response is suggestive that a lot of Christian life, at least in the United States, is, is hollow. What are your thoughts on that? Right, absolutely. And, and again, you did see this during COVID. You saw an evaluation that was being made by people saying, well, you know, my, the church isn't that important, but this, this other thing is. And I do think that we, we sort of need more people to... Gosh, it, it seems like when you look at Christians and Catholics, the vast majority who proclaim themselves to be, they're not living lives that 
that, that manifest that. They're not even speaking the truth. And ultimately, if we're not doing that, then aren't we just sort of regularly denying Christ? And it seems, you know, if you look at our, our, our political manifestations, our willingness to just say, well, you know, let's just let's just be nice by by refusing to tell people what they need to hear, by allowing them to imperil themselves. And I don't think that's nice at all. And I certainly don't think it's Christian. No, I, I think we have to come to terms uh, with the fact that we we have been skating on the surface of a Christian veneer in our culture for a very long time. And I say that as a member of religious community. I, I say that as, as, a, as a Catholic priest. And I say that as, as a a priest who talks to a lot of priests every week and their claim is that the COVID interruption did not bring the best out in, in just about anybody. Friends, we come back, we're going to continue our conversation with Sarah Kane, the Crusader gal. We're having an old school timely Tuesday. We're, we're riffing on hot headlines affecting the church uh, and the world. After the broadcast today, uh, go to the stationacross.com, get our resources list, download our audio as podcast. Wherever you can find audio, you can find us. Everything you need to take this conversation to your family and friends we give to you. Take this to your family and friends. Together we'll take it around the world. We can do it with you. We cannot do it without you. We need to get started. Let's do it today. We'll be back in just two minutes. Please do stay with us. This is The Catholic Current from the Station of the Cross Catholic Media Network. Catch up on an episode you've missed or share them with your family or friends. The Catholic Current is podcasted wherever you enjoy listening. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, and the iCatholic Radio mobile app. Praise be Jesus Christ. This is Father Robert McTigg of the Society of Jesus, your daily host for The Catholic Current, where we bring Christ to the world and the world to Christ. You're listening to us from the Station of the Cross Studios, your local radio station and the iCatholic Radio mobile app, where we proclaim the fullness of truth with clarity and charity. We're doing Old School Timely Tuesday today. A lively guest and I are reflecting on hot headlines affecting the church and the world. A returning guest is a listener favorite, uh, Sarah Kane, the, the Crusader gal. Uh, Sarah, the other day I was uh, visiting at, at a friend's house. It's, it's a quiet place where I could get some writing done. And he had Fox News on in the background with the sound off mercifully. And every now and again, I, I would look up during the commercials because they're kind of extra bright and flashy. And if you were visiting from another planet, here's what I think you would learn about the Fox News audience based on its commercials. Everyone needs multiple prescriptions. Certainly every male needs Viagra. Everyone needs stock advice. There are no white people in America except white women paired with black men. And there are no white children. So that got me to thinking. And then you did a YouTube video about whites need not apply at Princeton, and uh, there's a play that's taking place in, in London about Joan of Arc, who's going to be recast as non-binary, and she will be referred to as they, them. It seems to me that there's a lot of concerted rewriting of Western identity, Western history, even Western demography, and it seems to be trending in a particular direction. Am I, am I just being quirky, or have you seen this too? No, you're absolutely right. And Fox is far from the worst offender. It's it's considered to be one of the better ones. But certainly, if you tune into any station, uh, you will not really find any commercials that take place with just an entirely white family, for example. They just simply don't exist. And it sounds like I'm exaggerating until you actually pay attention and you just decide, you know what, I'm just going to watch a few commercials for a while, maybe for a few hours, I'm just going to pay attention. And it's it's startling um, just how few uh, you see and how many of you you're allowed to see. And really, you know, as far as population goes, they if, if commercials were representative of the population, you'd certainly see quite a few, and yet they're not. And I, I do think that we're sort of in a, a world now that seeks to, in many ways, erase white people from, from existence, certainly from vision, and certainly uh, from, from being seen in a positive light. And yeah, I did do a recent 
piece, a video about what's going on over at Princeton University. They so wish to um, marginalize white people. They created a essentially an area of their website where staff members of, of Princeton and faculty go to order new 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 supplies if they need paper and pens or what have you. They use this the system and the system allows people to sort by non whites and also by the different gender ideologies we'll say. You mm-hmm. know but didn't allow a sorting by heterosexual people or by white people. Those weren't options. So certain certain groups are actively being discriminated against. And it's the very opposite of those who we're told are being discriminated against, right? Because we're told by by academia itself, by media, by Hollywood, we're told by all of these different groups that we're living in a, in a time of institutional oppression by white people against non-whites and against non-heterosexuals, that, that entire group. We're, we're told that's a society that we live in. But you look at the or what's actually going on, you see the very opposite is the case. There's an active effort to make sure that white people essentially don't exist, to make sure that you can't choose, you know, white-owned businesses. Like, I wouldn't specifically go out and say, give me a white-owned business. I just want the best product, personally. But right. if you go to Yelp or if you go uh, through uh, Google Maps looking for businesses, you'll often see a little badge that says either black-owned or LGBT-owned. You'll never see white-owned, and it would raise an eyebrow if you did. Everybody would be a little taken aback, and understandably so. But we've become kind of trained to, to see the other and say, oh, that's perfectly okay because we're compensating for some kind of thing that is no longer if it ever were. And that's... That's the society that we're living in, in which a a white business owner has to sort of hide, has to be ashamed of the fact that he exists. We no longer, and this goes back to what we were talking about in the last segment regarding us having a Christian society. If we did, if we had an actual Catholic society, we would have people who say, you know, man is made in the image and likeness of God. And ultimately, I'm not going to define him by the characteristics that he was born with, whether he's white or black. Um, that, that doesn't make sense, and it's evil. And yet that's exactly where we're going, just under the – and yet at the same time, now there's there's a, a proclamation that there's somehow virtue in this, whereas at least in prior times it wasn't seen as, as particularly virtuous uh, to, to engage in it. So I think we, we're going in the wrong direction for sure. Friends, we're speaking today on this Timely Tuesday with Sarah Kane. You know her as the Crusader gal. Sarah, one of the things that I've noticed, someone brought to my attention, they, they sent me copies of, I think, a year or two years' worth of, of Parents magazine. And there was every, I was going to say conceivable, but that would be unfortunate, uh, every imaginable arrangement of what parents look like and what families look like. But there was precious little that could be manifestly heterosexual. And there was no consistently white family. Now, again, demographically, the majority of families are heterosexual. In the United States, a great majority of them are, are, are white. Why are they... I think that this 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 is happening for uh, for a reason, and I really want to lean into the rearrangement of of family because I, I think that is is the most fundamental issue. I mean, I remember watching presidential debates going back into the nineties, and you know, well before you know gay marriage and civil unions and so on, and different candidates were asked to define family, and apparently, family is absolutely everything except one man and one woman married to each other for life in the sight of God and recognized by the state and supported by the culture. And and that was uh, that was back in the olden times. That was in, in, in the pre-Sarah times, you know, over 30 <laughs> years ago. And uh, trends suggest that, that, it, that it's gotten worse there. So my concern is that we've lost the basic vocabulary We've lost what used to be obvious to people about the building blocks of society and honestly, the role of Christian wisdom for uh, maintaining a society that is is sane and healthy and fruitful and pleasing to God and conducive of, of sainthood. Uh, the head of a certain religious order with which I have some familiarity has said that we are now entering into a more uh, mature post-Christian era, a more mature secular era. I'm not sure what that means. I'm willing to bet that it's not good. Um, 
what do you think Christians need to do to say, I don't think we should be going in this direction anymore? Um, speak and form communities. Um, those are the two main things. Uh, I think we have a problem where too many uh, Christians are quiet and unwilling to speak what they know to be the truth because they're afraid of various different backlash. Or, I mean, I'm not talking necessarily about getting in front of a microphone or creating your own YouTube channel. I just mean speaking to the people in your neighborhood, to the people that you, you usually associate with and making it okay okay again to speak the truths to to speak about about the faith and i think we also have to form community where we we do that from fellowship with the people that we meet at mass with the people that we meet at our churches i think that without that kind of community we're on a on a collision course right now toward the, the sort of secularism that i think you, you just quoted we've never had a secular age that that was good we don't have secular societies that are good, that are, that are going in a positive direction. That's not a thing. You know, it's only things in people's fantasies. But when it's actually lived out, what happens is the government becomes the god, and then the government becomes um, a very tyrannical god at that and starts to impose its own will uh, on people. And you end up with millions and millions of deaths and that's right. what what happens with secular societies no i'm i'm, I'm in, in full agreement i think if we look at the history of of the secular west since the time of the french revolution 1789 hey and someone you know wrote a book about this uh christendom lost and found coming out in, in october uh I, I i i make it clear that that the the secularists uh the materialists the modernists the postmodernists are actually um making use of what they deny and reject. They are parasitic upon the corpse of, of Christendom. And you can live off the momentum of a stumbling, failing Christendom for a while, but eventually you run out of good people and you run out of virtuous people who have uh, the, the moral virtues, the intellectual virtues, and the theological virtues to keep the human enterprise running. And I think we're, we're beginning to, to, to see that more and more. You know, uh, Macron of France just said, you know, the age of abundance uh, is is over. Uh, people in Poland are lining up to to buy firewood for uh, for for the for the coming winter, and you know uh, the Royal Air Force until they got caught said they weren't going to accept applications for combat pilots uh, from white men, uh, which is and that's just insane and, and suicidal. <laughs> combat pilots, you want the best people, uh, full right. stop. So I I think that. Um, the West we have a culture that's worth defending. And, well, and, and, well, there is that becoming, too. It's becoming less and less um, <laughs> right. obvious. But right. I, I do think that some of the people that are that are seeking to to destroy the best of what we had, because you know, there's, there's never been a utopia and never will be. But but there was something better, and there, there's a lot that we've lost. And there's an active attempt to erase the good people that ought to inspire us toward good. And you mentioned Joan of Arc earlier and her being reframed as non-binary and, and so on instead of instead of being a, a woman who was, was killed early for doing what was right. And that's the thing. That's what's happening. So few people now, especially the younger generations, can, can cite any of the martyrs of the past. They can't right. cite good people who've been willing to fight and die for, for what we have, you know, to, to defend Christendom. They don't understand that the fact that they have the right and the ability to exercise their faith as freely as they do is not the norm throughout history. Right. It's it's unique, and they, they, there is something there that's that's an incredible, they own incredible debt to the people that came before them and to their posterity as well. And without that, without realizing there are people before you who came and who did that, you're a lot less likely to fight yourself. And I think that's one of the reasons Amen. that our young are not being taught that these people, that these martyrs previously did exist, because you can look at them and you can read their stories and hear what they, what they gave and what they went yes. through and actually be willing to say, you know, I have a sword to pick up as well. Amen. Sarah, we, we've got about a minute left. What are the stories you're watching? And you have some new work coming out shortly, don't you? I do. I, I do want to tell people about 
this topic of, of, of white erasure that's taking place in media, because I do think that it's evil. And I have seen, there's an author that just, that published the book, The Last White Man, in which he's fantasizing about that. I want to talk about another piece coming out about a, a chaplain who was fired from his job as a chaplain for a fire department simply because he's actually Christian and believes in that. How about that? And this is why we need more people who, who are willing to speak up for the faith because it's, it's too unusual. It's too unusual for, for even the chaplain to, to be an actual Christian. You know, who knew? You know, we should have more people. And if we were all who, you know, who do have the faith more willing to speak up and fight, um, then people couldn't, couldn't get erased in this way. We'd be, we'd have an actual community that stands side by side to, to defend. And that, that's what you build from. When, when you have groups of people who are willing to stand for what's right, that's something that's worth passing on to the next generation. That's what we ought to be building on. Uh, Sarah Kay and the Crusader Girl, God bless your good work. Thanks for being a great guest. I look forward to next time. As do I. Thank you, Father. I'm Jesuit Father Robert McTague. You want to stay with us for the rest of the hour. It's you and me sharing timely thoughts, reflecting on what we've heard today. Be part of the conversation. Follow what we're following by following us on Gab. That's gab.com. The channel is The Catholic Current. After the broadcast today, go to thestationofthecross.com, get our resources list, download our audios podcast. Take this to your family and friends. Together, we'll take it to the whole world. Back in two minutes. Please do stay with us. Have you seen our new website and downloaded our new mobile app? Go to thestationofthecross.com to check out the website's redesigned look, easy navigation, and exciting new features. While you're there, go to the stations on the top menu and click on iCatholic Radio to view our new app and learn how to download it for your smartphone or other mobile device. The app can be downloaded from either the Apple Store or Google Play. Whether you're on our website or app, you can listen to our programming anywhere, anytime. Plus, both enable you to listen to programs live or after they've aired at a time that's convenient for you. This means easy, flexible access to quality Catholic programming 24-7. You'll also enjoy advanced features including integration with social media platforms, video replays of select shows, expanded communication options, and more. Grow in your faith like never before. Go to thestationofthecross.com and download the free iCatholic Radio app today. After today's broadcast, go to the Catholic Current Show page on thestationofthecross.com for info on today's guests, the show resource links, and to sign up for our weekly email of upcoming shows. Praise be Jesus Christ. This is Father Robert McTague of the Society of Jesus, your daily host for the Catholic Current, where we bring Christ to the world and the world to Christ. You're listening to us from the Station of the Cross Studios, your local radio station, and the iCatholic Radio mobile app, where we proclaim the fullness of truth with clarity and charity. It's Timely Tuesday. We had spent the first three quarters of the show as Sarah Kay and the Crusader Gal. Uh, bantering back and forth about hot headlines affecting the church and the world. The last segment now, it's you and me, Timely Thoughts, reflecting on what we've heard today. Sarah and I talked about some really challenging topics, the way the, the government and the culture has mishandled COVID uh, and, and monkeypox, the, the rewriting or erasing issues of, of race, uh, of sexual identity, of gender, the definition of, of marriage, the need for Christians to find their voice again. And I have been writing, I hope to submit an article soon to, uh, to a magazine, about parallels between uh, what was taking place a hundred years ago or so, starting with uh, the beginning of World War One, and what and what we're seeing right now, and you know we uh, we broadcast out of the United States. If our our downloads are any indication, the majority of our downloads take place around the world. So what I'm going to say specifically addresses Europe. I think it applies to the United States, and I think it applies to the whole world. One of my favorite Catholic curmudgeons is Hilaire Belloc, and he wrote a book called Europe and the Faith back in 1920, 
or thereabouts. Let me read to you this paragraph, because I think it speaks to our time and place. He says, So things have gone. We have reached at last as the final result of that catastrophe 300 years ago, a state of society which cannot endure, and a dissolution of standards, a melting of the spiritual framework such that the body politic fails. Men everywhere feel that an attempt to continue down this endless and ever-darkening road is like the piling up of debt. We go further and further from a settlement. Our various forms of knowledge diverge more and more. Authority, the very principle of life, loses its meaning in this awesome edifice of civilization which we have inherited and which still is our trust trembles and threatens to crash down. It is clearly insecure. It may fall in any moment. We who still live may see the rune. But when ruin, when it comes, is not only a sudden, it is also a final thing. In such a crux, there remains the historical truth that this, our European structure, built upon the noble foundations of classical antiquity, was formed through, exists by, and is consonant to, and will stand only in the mold of the Catholic Church. And Belloc concludes, Europe will return to the faith or she will perish. That's what he wrote in 1920. How's Europe doing? At least Western Europe. Yeah, um, haven't really seen that return to the faith, have we? Uh, my understanding is that there are more Christians in churches in China on any given Sunday than in all of Europe combined. I can't confirm that, but I'm inclined to believe it. Uh, but the, the faith in Europe is not doing well. Um, mass attendance, sacraments, collapse of religious communities, uh, cultural influence of the church, etc. And it is true that the Catholic Church has historical roots, uh, starting in Jerusalem, branching out into Antioch and Alexandria, branching out very strongly into Athens, and finally sinking deeply into Rome. And so the roots of Catholicism really are historical and geographical. It didn't fall from the sky but its fruits are universal. They're meant for the whole world. And Europe was the test case of a civilization based on the faith. And as long as that living of the faith was intact, yes, there were sinners, there were human beings, scream, middle ages, dark ages, I'd get that all out of your system, fine. But people knew who they were and whose they were. They may be sinners, but they knew they were sinning. And they did build a glorious civilization based on natural law and what Christ revealed to the one church he founded. And that civilization started fracturing as Christendom began to fracture. And then the West decided to slough off Christendom, beginning with the French Revolution. And really, it's been downhill ever since. Well, what about the United States? I'm, I'm, I'm an American. America has a rather distinctive uh, history. Uh, a lot of it has Protestant roots and some other factors a as well. Uh, and yes, the aftermath of the American Revolution really was a new Pentecost compared to the aftermath of the French Revolution. We had the Constitutional Convention. The French had the terror. I will make bold to say that if America wants to get out of the mess that it's in, it has to discover the Christ of God. And it especially has to discover the Christ of God as Christ revealed himself to the one church he founded. The church has long been the guardian of the natural law and sacred revelation. 
it can be the great mother and tutor of great civilizations again if we have the good sense realistically speaking I, will that happen in our lifetime i don't know i don't have a crystal ball i think it would be prudent for the faithful remnant to prepare to remain faithful and a remnant we need to form bonds of christian charity we need to prepare for the supply chains to be unreliable we need to prepare to live faithfully in a context where we are no one's priority so bonds of charity bonds of faith bonds of education bonds of illumination and bonds of defense need to be built now so that when the disruptions become greater and greater and greater and i believe they will and i'll believe they'll happen even in my lifetime and recently turned 61 so it's not like i've got 100 years ahead of me um i think we're going to see some painful dislocations and once again it will be faithful christians that will keep the flame of civilization lit ready to hand on to the next generation and the next and the next and i think it will end very badly for the unfaithful and it will not end well for the lukewarm either instead we need a profound and thoroughgoing conversion now uh, preferably in harmony with what our lady spoke to us at fatima take these things to prayer think about these things talk about it with your family and friends I'm Jesuit Father Robert McTague, your host here every day at the Catholic Current. Join me tomorrow. We're going to meet up with Jesuit Father Kevin Dyer. We're going to talk about how to make a missionary. He's the national chaplain for FOCUS, the Fellowship of Catholic University Scholars, recent uh, Catholic graduates who are going out into the church and the world, especially on college campus, to proclaim Christ. We want to hear some good news for a change, and Father Dyer is going to bring it to us. After the broadcast today, go to the Station of the Cross get our resources list, download our audio as podcast. Through the intercession of Our Lady of Mount Carmel, we may God bless you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Go in peace, and please do pray for me. Thank you for listening to this podcast brought to you by the station of the cross.com, a listener funded nonprofit organization. Please prayerfully consider donating at the station of the cross.com by calling 1-877-888-6279 or through our free iCatholic radio mobile app.